Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Alan Winson, and this is Hunker Down Podcast, where I talk with actors and musicians whose careers have been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. Contact me at UpperWestSideRadio at gmail.com with questions and comments. I'm Alan Winson in Manhattan in the Upper West Side apartment of flamenco dancer and filmmaker Deidre Towers. In a few minutes, renowned flamenco guitarist and composer Pedro Cortez will be performing for a few invited guests on Jared Newman's guitar. Jared was a dear friend who died a couple of months ago, and he is dearly missed. I want to uh, thank you, uh, Pedro Cortez, for uh, joining us here on Hunker Down. You come from a family of flamenco guitarists. I come from a family of Spanish gypsies, which are all flamenco guitarists. I am third generation. And your cousin, Fernanda Romero. Fernanda Romero was, yes, she was my first cousin. She brought us to the United States. Wow. And um, She was a flamenco dancer. She was a flamenco dancer, and she was the first one to ever dance the taranto. And what, what is the taranto? Taranto, yes. It's a flamenco form that was never danced until she danced it. She actually danced it, danced it with zills. The taranto stayed uh, as a dance, but the, zil, the zills idea didn't didn't go past her. <laughs> okay, for, for us ignorant about flamenco, what is a zil? Zils are an Arabic instrument ah, in Spanish okay. called chinchines. And they, what they are, they're these little tiny, uh, uh, what do you call that? Uh, symbols, ah. tiny symbols. On the on the your fingers, okay. All right, right. So, start, sorry for my... Actually, you can see that on YouTube. If you go on YouTube and you type in Taranto, flamenco, um, Fernanda Romero, you will see that dance. She has it on there. Taranto. Tarantos. Excellent. Yeah, your family uh, was also close friends with Sabicas, who is Sabi, a very, yes. very famous flamenco. Sabicas was, was soul, my um, sister's godfather. Now, during that time in New York, there were three gypsy families that were living here, and that was Mario Scudero's family, Sabicas and his brother, and my family. Mm-hmm. So my dad was compadres. My dad baptized one of Mario Scudero's sons. And Sabicas baptized my sister. So all the three families were always together. And I was very fortunate to grow, grow up around these, these incredible monsters. At that time, they were the leading guitarists in flamenco. And uh, yeah, I mean, my whole life has always been, even though I grew up in New York, it's always been surrounded around all the flamenco environment. So did you have formal training or did you just pick I it know, up in, I the, learned, in the air? I learned, um, I learned flamenco by ear. My dad taught me. And then I learned a lot from my uncle Sabicas and my uncle Mario Scudero. They taught me a lot, you know. They were in my house a lot of the times. Sabicas didn't have, you know, he didn't have a, a wife. He was divorced. And uh, he would call up my, mo- my mother and say, cousin, can you make me a potaje or whatever? 
and my dad would go pick him up and he'd make my mother would make him his favorite food <laughs> so he'd be in the house and you know and and I, I would ask him questions you know I would ask Sabika's questions and he used to play a game with me that he would have me point uh, any fret I wanted on the guitar and he would improvise a falseta from that fret for bulerias wow so that's the game that's the, one of the favorite games that he played with me can you hear him playing now of course I mean I grew up all my life I mean there's a different style of playing today that you play totally different because after Paco de Lucia started playing with John McLaughlin and Aldi Miola, Chick Corea, he took all those harmonies and he added them to flamenco. So now we have all kinds of uh, modern harmonies. We have whole tone harmonies. We have diminished harmonies, melodic minor harmonies that we didn't have before. So the guitar is very different from that era. But obviously I have, I have Sabicas and Mario Scudero and, in the in you know in, in the core of my brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm going to ask this right at the beginning, and then the rest of it will be about flamenco. Are you interested in anything else? Is there something else that you do besides the guitar, or is the guitar your life? No, the guitar is my life. It's 24/7. Right. A lot of people say, "Oh, you're you're, you're you know you're what, what do you do for a living?" It's you know you're a flamenco. I go, "Yeah, I'm a flamenco, but that's not what I do for a living. That's what I do in my life. I wake up in the morning a flamenco. I go to bed a flamenco." And my whole mindset is all around the culture of flamenco. Right, right, right. And thinking about it all the time. You've performed professionally since you were 17. I started, I went on the road. I played before that, but I professionally, I started playing when I was 17. I started going on the road right. when I was like 17 in the summers. Okay. And you were all over the world. Um, St. Louis Opera, New York Grand Opera, Guthrie Theater, production of Lorca's um, uh, Blood Wedding. Yeah. Um, and the Lorca, Guthrie. All right. Um, you had a regular gig at Algeras at the Spanish Benevolent Society, but now live performance venues are closed. So we're in the COVID pandemic. How do you perform? I know we're here in this salon, well, in Deidre Towers' I'm, uh, apartment. I'm, I'm, I'm doing something here for, you know, for Deidre and for my buddy, uh, Jared. Uh, I was actually very fortunate enough that, you know, Didi called me up, Deidre called me up and said, you know, I have like four or five guitars of, of Jared's over here and they need to be played, you know, will you take one? And uh, I came over here and together we picked out a guitar and I've been super inspired since I got the guitar right. and I've composed a bunch of stuff since I got the guitar. But prior to that, I wasn't playing very much because it's like, when you, it, there's different kinds of musicians. There's musicians that play when they're reading you know, they read music and they play musician. Those, those kinds of musicians. And then there's musicians like in, in flamenco where you have some pieces that you do compose, but when you play live, a lot of it is like 80% improv. And when that aspect of you as a musician is not being uh, produced or, you know, let out, it feels like your soul is being cramped. And it's, it's, just, it's just very depressing in that aspect that you don't really feel like like, like even playing, you know, because there's no way to let that outlet out a lot of the time. So practice is not really uh, a goal. Well, yeah, you have to practice, obviously, because the, especially if you're a musician that improvises, you have to be able to have the technique to be able, when something just pops in your brain, it's like when you're speaking, you know, you're talking and you're improvising when you're talking. The same thing with the instrument. You just talk with the instrument, but if you have an idea or an impulse to do it, you have to have the technique to do it. Mm -hmm. And you have to have the harmonic knowledge. So that's how you develop the freedom to be able to do that, you know, and staying within the idiom. Let's, let's talk a bit about your um, 
beginning period. You grew up in South Ozone Park, Queens. I went, I went, I started living in South Ozone Park, but I was already uh, like 12 when I was there. I, I actually, my father came to the United States. We were living in a, in a hotel called the Park Walt. And there, it was on Broadway. It was on Times Square. It doesn't exist anymore. And all the artists were living there. When, and my dad was working all around. And then from there, he got an apartment on 75th and Columbus. And I lived in 75th and Columbus, you know, from the time I was like five or six until I was like 11 years old. Okay, but the whole time that you were, work, that you were living at home with your father, um, I read that you really lived a gypsy life at home. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah. what, what is that gypsy life, gypsy food? What made it gypsy? Well, gypsy is, is, is a culture, and we consider ourselves a race of people like the Jewish people consider themselves a race of people. Mm-hmm. Just like they have customs, we have our own customs. And uh, my dad wanted to conserve our roots, and he wanted us to know who we were, even though he wanted us to become Americans and integrate in, in society here. But... He didn't, never wanted us to lose our identity of who we actually were. So when they closed that door in my house, in, we weren't allowed to speak in English in the house. And the house was, you know, we spoke either Spanish or we spoke Caló, or the Romani language. The Caló is the dialect that the Spanish gypsies speak of, uh, of Romani. Yeah. I, I just, uh, I saw a movie a few years ago. It was the first Romani movie. And I'm sorry, I don't remember the director's name. but It, it was could a... be Lacho Drome, probably. Okay. All right. Which All right. means the, the good path. Right. So, so like in the Jewish religion, a lot of what religion is, I mean, if there's, the, there's the prayer part, but the cultural part is the food. Well, and, not only the food. We have our own customs, and I mean, it's just hard to explain a whole culture in, you know, in, in 10 minutes, but okay, we, have yeah. our, we have our own culture of, of yeah, sure. you know, uh, not only just the foods. I mean, the foods are a lot, a lot of the foods are based basically of Andalusia because a lot of, we're, we're Spanish gypsies mm-hmm. from Andalusia, so a lot of the foods are from Andalusia. But, um, you know, traditionally you eat certain foods, like on, like on uh, Christmas Eve, traditionally you have, you, have, you have a potaje, and the potaje is made out of uh, chickpeas, garbanzo. You know, so there's certain things like that that, that happen, you know. And my yeah. mom would wake us up, we were kids, and she would wake us up with a little... Uh, a little shot of an anise anisette uh-huh. in the morning, like Christmas Eve, she'd wake us up. You know, the kids, in the morning, right? You know, so I mean, there's certain little 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 details. You know, and the way that you know the way that uh, that you ask for the hands in marriage of of you know of of, of a woman, and you know, just uh, the way you get married, and just certain you know customs. You know, good, good. Um, let's talk just a bit. I know we, there's much, much you could say about this uh, flamenco music. Um, how would you describe your music, that sound, to a deaf person? Wow, that is very difficult to explain. If a person has been deaf to all their lives, that's kind of hard because you can't compare it to anything because they've actually never heard any kind of music. So yeah. it would be, it would be very di- difficult. But is there a I would say, to it? I would say, flamenco is is very similar to soul music. It is, it is the lament of a pueblo. Flamenco comes out of lament. It comes out of oppression. What happened is Queen Isabel started to expel everybody that wasn't Christian at the time. And as a result, the Moors, the Jews, and uh, the Moors, the Jews, and the gypsies all started fleeing. They started heading south until they couldn't go any further. They wound up, you know, in the water 
out in the south and they couldn't go any forward. If someone got on ships and left, the other ones that, that didn't stayed there. But as a result of this traveling and the, and the integration of all these uh, groups, created flamenco. And flamenco basically was a lament because a lot of these people lost their families. You know, they, if you were a gypsy and you got caught speaking your language, they would whip you to death. They would cut your ears off. You weren't allowed to speak Romani, you know, and, and the same thing. So uh, the Spanish Inquisition was really bad for us. So it's an art form that became a, uh, came about because of oppression. So right. if I was to describe flamenco, flamenco is, is the music of the expression of a people, whether it's a baptism, a wedding, and you're doing you know uh, stuff that's happy, or where you're doing stuff that's a lament if you're sad, you know we have forms that are that are from the minds, the miners sing. We have forms that uh, you know there's all kinds of different forms. We have forms that are blacksmith forms, like martinete, that are sung over the the the, the ring of an anvil. So it's, it's the music of a people, uh, the expression of a people, I would say. Okay. You've described the flamenco sound as angry, raging, and sweet. Yes, I did. Because just like I said, if, if you are oppressed, you're either going to sing about how sad you are, you're going to sing about how angry you are. And the sweet aspect of it is, you know, if you're happy and you just got married or, or you just had a child... What's going to come out is going to be very beautiful. So it depends on the mood that's happening in your life that that makes you create the music that you're doing. Yeah, I mean, you you kind of describing soul in some ways. Yes, it's very similar. It's very it's parallel, very very parallel to to soul music. It's it's you know actually again we're going back to an oppressed people. Yeah, a lot of the soul music came out of oppression, mm -hmm. and so did flamenco. So. Right. Basically, they're both laments. Right. You know, they're parallel in that aspect. The flamingo involves um, a singer, yes, a lot of times, a, a dancer, a dancer, and the musician. A musician, yeah. But the, right. the the flamenco starts with the singing. The singing starts out as 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 an, a cry, an out an outlet to express whatever you're feeling. Then the hand claps and and a dancer. If it's something pretty festive, they would come out and they would dance to it. So that's the second thing was the dance. The thing that came last was the guitar. The, car, the guitar came back as an, and it used to be an accompanying instrument for the cante, for the dance. And then later on, uh, you know, people like Ramon Montoya, which was one of the first uh, flamenco guitarists that actually added some of the classical techniques into flamenco. He turned it more, he, he's, he's the first one that kind of started turning it into a concert instrument, a solo instrument. Mm -hmm. But prior to that, it was basically an accompanying instrument. Federico Garcia Lorca, the playwright, Blood Wedding, uh, said the flamenco guitar com comments, but also creates. What did he mean by that? Well, Garcia Lorca was not only just the writer of that. He was, he was the number one, in my opinion, the number one poet that we had in Spain. He was killed by Franco because he was gay. And everything that he wrote, poetically was metaphorically you had to know his metaphors to understand what he was talking about because most of it was a lament of the pueblo against the fascism so uh now as far as him saying the guitar creates basically if 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 see uh, he, 
in fact, I had some issues when we did that play because a lot of people did not, did not understand the layers of Garcia Lorca. They assumed, oh, this is the poetry. No, no, no. Garcia Lorca wrote poetry to a certain form of flamenco. So he would write it, he would write the, the poetry to, to fit into a certain form of flamenco. Now that form of flamenco was played with a certain rhythm and in a certain key. So that rhythm and that key gave you a third dimension on the poetry because it gave you a feeling. It gave you a feeling of the rhythm and the tonality of what it was. So the, the music is what's creating the mood to his poetry. Wow. I wish I knew that when I performed in Yerma back in, uh, when I was studying acting yeah. <laughs> uh, by, by Lorca. You're here today to play on Jared Newman's guitar. I'm feeling myself tearing up yeah. as, I, as I say his name. Um, he's greatly missed. I, yes. I, I turned to Deirdre. He's great, great, greatly missed. How did you know this artist, Jared Newman? Jared, I started. He was big. A big. He was a big part, huge part of the uh, Institute of Guitar, the AIG, and and um, I got hired at one point to go teach some classes there. And I met him there, and he saw me playing. And he said, "Wow, Pedro, you know." He said, "You sh we should put out a book, some books on some of your compositions." And I go, what, are you kidding me? And he goes, no, 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 we should really do this. And I remember that uh, I said, okay, let's start doing it, you know. So I started writing out the music, you know, for some of the pieces. And he'd look it over and he'd go, oh, no, 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 no. Because this is correct uh, rhythmically and musically, but you're doing like a slight little pull-off over here that you're not writing and it would be like the most subtle little tiny thing and he would say no 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 that has to be written in here wow. and it was like I just I just got a whole different dimension on how to uh, interpret what you're actually playing because he was so specific about every little even how you breathed he wanted <laughs> to like have that written down and he I learned a lot from him just to, you know when it came you know producing and 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 notating uh, music, you know. So he was he was a great inspiration, and because of him, I got inspired to you know, to you know, we did two of the pieces. We were at one point supposed to start doing um, some other theory stuff, but it never wound up happening. Dennis Coster wound up doing it, but I was always traveling, and I was you know, I wasn't in New York all the time. I was on the road a lot, but that's how we met, you know. And uh, yeah. he was amazing. I'm telling you, when it came to publishing music, is and especially flamenco stuff, he's number one, number one here in, in, you know, in the States as far as publishing stuff. Just oh. the, the knowledge that he had and, and the perspective that he had. Did not, did not know all that. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for sharing. You're, you're playing on his guitar tonight. Yeah. Uh, what's the significance of a, of a guy's guitar? And does, does, does it give you something that another guitar won't? Or? Well, this guitar is... Very special in in a way that I can't even describe. Just the way it, the way the guitar sounds and the way it plays. Uh, he just he had this guitar made for himself, but he he was so knowledgeable that the way he made this guitar is a, it's a, this is a very special instrument. The way it rings out, the way it it talks to you when you when when you play it, you know, it just it just speaks back at you. And the way it rings out, it's just an incredibly inspiring instrument. And I have, I have like 12 guitars, you know, it's not that I don't have guitars, but, and very well-known guitars, but by far this, I, in my opinion, I think this is the best guitar I have over there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just sound, it sounds amazing. Thanks to Deirdre that 
she called me up to pick it up and pick a guitar out. And uh, I've been very inspired since she gave me the guitar. I've, I've actually started practicing and playing again as a result of getting this guitar. Amazing. You know. When um, Jared left us and Deirdre and Didi, Deirdre first told me about it, I was surprised totally because Jared doesn't die. Um, it's like he was just like a force. Um, and I didn't know him from musical side. I, I knew him from my podcasting work and other places. But Didi told me that he was still with us and that we just have to call out to him. Um, is that uh, is that a flamenco thing or is that is that you, Didi? I mean, I think that's more of a spiritual thing with with, with yeah. Didi. But I mean, I feel I feel that I feel that he when, when I'm playing this instrument, he he hears it. I really feel that. <laughs> I feel that uh, he's living through this instrument that's continually now producing. You know, continuing to produce music, and you know, and uh, and and coming from a really. I feel like it's coming from a really good place. Mm. The stuff that's coming out, uh, you know, while I'm playing this guitar, you know. So. All right, so you better play well tonight. Well, I haven't been playing in a while. I just started <laughs> playing a couple of weeks, but I'll do my best. Okay. You know? What are you going to be playing this evening? This solo piece that you're, we're going to be recording. The, that's the solo piece. This is a a, a piece that I wrote for... Um, we did a, a, a play here in New York, a flamenco play that was about minors. And uh, this is like one of the themes that I wrote for the, for the mining thing. Does that have a name? Los Mineros. Los Mineros. The Miners. The Miners. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very much, uh, Pedro Cortez, for talking to us here on Bunker Down. Sure, my, my and I'm really looking forward to hearing this. All right. Thank you.
That was Mineros, composed and played by flamenco guitarist Pedro Cortez, performed in the Upper West Side apartment of Deidre Towers on Jared Newman's guitar. This is Alan Winson with Hunkered Down Podcast. You can contact us at Upper West Side Radio at gmail.com.